Karibouni, bienvenue and welcome to Parole Podcast. I am your host, Niamoyaboyi Alexandra. Today's guest hails from Arusha, Tanzania. He did his studies in his native country, graduated high school in Kenya, then pursued higher education in England and France. A global student and a proud Tanzanian. Colin Skimaro is the co-founder of Obunhu Hub. What's Obunhu? In Kiswahili, one puts an emphasis on the T and Kirundi Obunhu with a U. Plus, we do not pronounce T's and P's, but overall, it is the same meaning. Obunhu Hub is located in Tanzania, and its mission is to reach not only Tanzania, but East Africa and the whole continent. It is about empowering young entrepreneurs. Obunhu can be replicated in different countries, and if you know people doing the same venture in Africa or outside, don't hesitate to let me know. Parol is a tool that aims to connect Africans or people working in the African system and with great ambitions. I am working at getting in touch with embassies established on the continent and hoping to collaborate with corporations in helping the youth with their crazy ideas, coupled with the wisdom of the elders, i.e. large companies already in the region. I am glad to see that listeners are growing on the continent, and by the end of the year, I would like to see my contributions bringing fruits. If, like Collins, you would like to start a similar project, contact him and ask him to mentor you and help you with his network. If you are hoping to becoming a cook, find the right person on the platform. Similar to my guest dreams, I am pushing this podcast to be the first African podcast produced by an African. I just released an article on Medium and why Africa needs more podcasts. If you're thinking of starting one and you don't know where to start, reach out and I'll sure be of help. If fear's telling you that there are so many pods out there, yes and no. And these podcasts are now bringing your insights, expertise at the table. You can get in touch with Collins on LinkedIn and Twitter and check the website obunhu.co.tz. Parallel Podcast on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and everywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can even download good pods where you will synchronize all your podcast episodes, rate, and share them. It is really helpful if you listen to loads of podcasts per week. You can follow my page on Instagram, Twitter, and don't forget to check African Tech Roundup for more insights on the African tech scene. Cheers! Parallel Podcasts podcast with uh, a Tanzanian who speaks French. So we're going to take a minute and we're going to speak for French for a second. And people will be like, what is this, Alex? I know. Super weird. Super funny. Monsieur Collins, comment vous allez? Merci beaucoup, Alessandra. Je vais très, très bien. Merci encore pour l'invitation. Comment vas-tu? Ça va, ça va. Et toi, comment tu peux expliquer aux gens que, que tu parles français? Tu vois, l'Afrique, on est baigné avec beaucoup, beaucoup de langues. <rire> en Tanzanie, Swahili, bien sûr, anglais aussi. Et le français, je crois, ça représente une opportunité de connecter le reste. Sure. Donc, ouais. voilà. <rire> eh ben voilà, there you go. So, for those who think like I'm... I'm one of those blessed in a country. I'm like, no, actually, I feel like I should learn Swahili. So that's a, that's a problem for another time. So, <laughs> but I have to ask, which Swahili do I have to learn first? Kenyan one or Tanzanian? Oh, no. Ah. There is only one real Swahili, and this is in the United Republic of Tanzania. There you go. Okay. You know how to sell a country. Who are you? 
Great question. <laughs> I would like to define myself as a change maker, somebody who believes that a better world is possible and we have the, the blessed opportunity to be able to contribute uh, to this. And where I'm particularly drawn to is in the sphere of youth empowerment. Uh, Tanzania, as much of Africa, is so blessed with so many young people, uh, which offers the opportunity of, and also the challenge of how can you help all these young people to be able to, to lead um, sustainable lives where they're able to make decisions from themselves, where they're able to, to really grow and develop. Um, and so I am really passionate about uh, youth empowerment and particularly through entrepreneurship, which I'm sure we're going to talk about more through our discussion today. All right. Take a second and sell me Tanzania, because as a Burundian, we have the long, I think we have the longest border um, between Burundi and uh, Rwanda, Burundi and Tanzania compared to Rwanda and DRC. One of those things that I know is, of course, in the Indian Ocean, you know, Kilimanjaro, tourism, Arusha for political reasons, and Dar es Salaam and Dodoma. Other than that, I don't know much. <laughs> Tell us what we don't know as neighbors. It's true, actually, first of all, congratulations, Alexandra, you know more than the average, because normally when I introduce myself and I say I'm from Tanzania, I'm met with a blank face, and I have to go on to explain, I, uh, you know, uh, East Africa, you know, next to Kenya, there we are, and it's, it is a, a shame um, that more people have not had the opportunity to discover Tanzania. If I was to summarize, I would say Tanzania is a cradle of peace. Uh, first, that's really important for the country, uh, we have more than 120 different groups, so really diverse, uh, but we're all living in a peace uh, and harmony. Um, the country also is like half Christian, half Muslim, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it adds to the, the, the diversity in the culture of the country as opposed to taking it away from it. Tanzania is also one of the food baskets, we think, for Africa uh, and the world, really, with a huge agriculture uh, potential. Growing almost anything you think of can grow uh, in Tanzania. So very big on agriculture. You mentioned Kilimanjaro. So yes, definitely very strong in tourism. We have the biggest national, uh, some of the biggest national parks in the world. For example, the Serengeti, which we, we invite you, Alexandra, and your listeners to come and uh, visit and yes. see the real Lion King. <laughs> the Serengeti in itself is the size of England. Can you imagine one national park is the size of England, let alone uh, all the other national parks that we have, plus uh, the land we actually uh, live in. So very strong on tourism, both in terms of safaris, but also in terms of uh, Zanzibar and the beach tourism that you yeah. can find in Zanzibar and um, Dar es Salaam, Mafia Island, so along the coast uh, that you mentioned. And also in terms of tourism, in terms of culture, uh, we are home to some of uh, very special African communities, such as the Maasai community that are there, that you must have seen uh, with their beautiful red shukas, as we, as we call them, that have, that have held on to their culture and it's not become internationally uh, recognized. Yeah. So this is Tanzania, a very young a country with lots of, lots of potential. Wow. So how, how did you grow up then? Because I'm not going to say that it's political, but most of the countries may most of our neighbors uh, my upbringing was a mix of violence and you know whatever government was going through but Tanzania we never really heard anything you know that space what was it like to grow up to go to school you know to think about the future I think growing up in Tanzania we were very very blessed uh, as you mentioned um, we didn't have a lot of the violence that we've seen in other countries 
Tanzania as I mentioned this cradle of peace like peace is really one of the strong one of the biggest national values we have and a lot is done to protect that from uh, the the fact that we speak one national language of Kiswahili which brings the country uh, together and this is perhaps um, one of the strategies that our first president Mwalimu Nyerere tried to really push to build a national identity anchored in the language of Kiswahili. Growing up, we didn't have, uh, and until now we're very thankful, we've not had uh, much of the violence that others have experienced. So it was, a very, so it's a good, it was a very, I think, stable and calm upbringing. Mm -hmm. uh, they think if we have war, our war is against uh, poverty and trying to bring up all these many population that, that is Tanzania uh, with over 55 million now, I think. Yeah. Uh, how do we provide uh, good livelihoods for all these many people? So I think it was people trying to study, those have opportunities to be able to study in different schools, trying to make a way for themselves. Um, we also come from a very, um, originally we were a socialist country, that also I think weaves into the fabric of this peace and harmony because we, are, we have this tendency of depending on each other. In Tanzania, for example, if you make it to Alexandra, that means your whole family and family and friends have yeah. all made it. <laughs> They're all going to come. That was part of our, our upbringing, uh, which of course had good things and also some challenges along the way. Of course. And tell us about your studies then. Where did you go to school back in Tanzania before you left you know, to study abroad? So I went to, uh, and I had the opportunity to go to an international school here in Arusha. So I live in Arusha, which is the city we call the Geneva of Africa. Um, because as you mentioned, there's a lot of diplomats here, uh, UN organizations, the African court, etc. It's a very diplomatic city. Um, and here I went to an international school where it was really great. I think they already allowed us to have an international uh, mindset to meet people from different countries. Our teachers were from, were from different countries. Um, it helped us also to, I think, to change our perspective, to think that there, um, the world is, we can, we can be part of the world and not just think, okay, I have to think about Arusha and Tanzania, but we can, we can actually contribute to the world. So we really much uh, enjoyed um, that experience and it's, I think, has helped us to open many opportunities that perhaps we wouldn't have if we had gone to uh, other schools. And uh, what about because I went to the international school as well in Burundi, and I think you just summarized it so well. It's the, the, the difference. Because you said, imagine if people don't know what Tanzania is. Perhaps we don't have to go into the details and explaining in what Burundi is. Like, is this is when a country, like, just the heart of <laughs> Africa? But it's okay. Other than that, because we have so many things to offer. Mm -hmm. uh, the perspective of thinking outside the box, thinking international what do you think brought you from that space to I'm going to study abroad? Because you have great universities back um, in Tanzania. You could have gone, for example, in Uganda. You could have gone to, I'm thinking, Makerere University or um, USIU in, in Nairobi. What did you learn there? And then you put it in the you know, international perspective. Because I think for me, it really brings you back to what you're doing now, you know, mm. your upbringing and your your belief system, your mission somehow, I'll say even your calling. What do you feel like international school brought you after all these years? It's a great question. I think the key thing that um, the international school brought that then motivated the decision to go uh, out of Africa for my, my tertiary education was exposure. I think there, there are great 
uh, local universities that are delivering great skills in terms of formal training. But in terms of exposure, I think because um, some, some countries and the West have more more development that we can learn from to then um, help our countries to catch up with. I think that's a really rare opportunity that an international university experience can provide. I think that's what motivated me. Just from things like, if you look at their systems, how do their uh, buses run? How, what kind of clubs and associations do they get to do outside of just the formal education system? Um, how many people you're able to interact with? Because also I think we go abroad not only to meet let's say a French university student or English university students or American, but also the whole world that is there because you have people from around the world. And that's really a, a unique opportunity to learn from so many different cultures in a short period of time. Whereas if we were to stay um, in a local university that have more of the cultures that we are already used to, uh, to begin with. All right, so where did you go next then? After, Tanzania, actually, I went to Kenya uh, for high school, for my A-levels, and then after A-levels, I had the opportunity to pursue my first degree in economics at the University of Warwick in the UK, and then my master's um, at Ashurstay Paris, uh, um, master's in management. Let's be real. The difference between French and English <laughs> system. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> I think I actually had perhaps a, um, a, a good experience of both because yeah. coming from the English system, the English system, which I think encourages a lot, uh, independent thought, critical thinking, uh, but I was studying a very academically theoretical course of economics where really there's not so much to think about there uh, in terms of your own independent thought. There is <laughs> mathematical models to solve yeah. and to optimize. So uh, this was interesting uh, from that perspective. But I really enjoyed the, the openness of that um, curriculum where you had to really, I think, go over and beyond what you just studied in class, for example, to uh, read more uh, on your by yourself to discover um, more things and to be able to draw conclusions from all the theories you were learning. So that was um, a really interesting experience. Uh, in terms of the French system, because I went to a business school, and I think it was not the, the traditional French um, system, but uh, that was also very uh, good in terms of, I think, practicality. Because I studied a master's in management, and that was much more applied. Oh, okay. We worked a lot through case studies. It was a lot of uh, interactions with corporates, yeah. which was very much great learning, which I hope at our, also our local universities can also um, build on this and adapt this uh, kind of strategies because it, it helps to amplify the exposure that I mentioned before that you're getting uh, from your studies. How was Paris then? Because obviously it was, must have been really nice to live there. It was uh, definitely a great experience. I think for me, uh, going to France as, after coming from like Anglophone Africa and going yeah. to the UK, it was really uh, good in terms of cultural experience because not only is everything it's, it's not just about language of course that was also something to get used to but also the way of doing things yeah. i found that in france for example there is great attention paid on la forme le forme forme plus que forme sometimes it, i i found that we, we pay so much attention in france how things are presented and that's it's an advantage of the french culture for the aesthetics Whereas in, in, I think the English culture, it's much more about the substance and the content and things don't have to be dressed as beautifully as they are. And if you look at it, just compare 
Paris architecture to London architecture, uh, as an example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to this point, I also love pâtisserie. And, I mean... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, like, the, the, the French gastronomy, I think, is, is world-renowned, and yeah. there's so much to know there. And also something different that I learned there. Um, I don't know what the case is for Burundi, but I saw in France, they have so much respect for the natural ingredients. They make simplicity, and that becomes excellent. So so much respect for uh, natural ingredients. And the, for example, if it's beef, they want to really taste the beef. Yeah. Where in Tanzania, for example, we would dress everything in so many spices oh. that you won't even taste the beef anymore. You just taste all the spices. That <laughs> that, that's also another difference uh, that I experienced. It. I also enjoyed the, the time in Paris, I think. And I don't know what you think about, you probably know better than me for this, but I feel like um, France is trying to position itself closer to Africa and not only Francophone Africa as traditionally it has been, but also close to uh, Anglophone Africa. Um, so I, I really enjoyed, there was a lot of conferences and events around Africa, uh, even based in Paris. Absolutely. I mean, I was blown away, I think it was uh, a year ago before, I think it was March or January, there was a conference in Lyon uh, for the French and Ethiopian, um, I mean, the countries, and it was about the like a chamber of commerce or something like that. And I went there and I was like, since when do we talk about Ethiopia in in France? And it was like oh, wow. uh, a huge deal. And I realized like, it's not even Paris. And yeah, I feel like, I think President Macron just realized that there is something happening in, in Africa and that uh, we're no longer in dark ages. So that helps, that helps a lot. So, but you just summarized so well the, the French system about the beef. I like the fact that we do not use spices. Uh, that's what I like the most here. I have sometimes conversations with friends from different countries. They're like, oh, but I need to put like, especially Americans, they like put cheese on everything and <laughs> unnecessary ingredients. I'm like, no, this is not America. This is France. <laughs> We're going to eat uh, normal. So that's cool. That's uh that's a, that's a pretty cool uh, experience. So what what did you do then afterwards? Like you finished, I should say, um, one of the greatest, greatest uh, business school here in France. What, what were you thinking at the time? Because you're still young, to be honest. So what were you thinking? Like, do I stay here? Do I go to London? Do I go to New York? Doors are open. Asia, if you want to be fancy. What did you do? It's a great question and one that brought me a lot of turmoil <laughs> and sleepless nights to try to debate the question of what next. So what I did is first, uh, I was uh, fortunate to get the opportunity to get some work experience uh, in Paris. So I stayed uh, after graduation to work for a, a startup there, uh, which was, I think, provided great learning uh, in professionally as well as personally and work culture. It was a, a great uh, experience and it was a rare opportunity, I think, for me to get the opportunity to work in a really high growth environment at a very fast pace because Tanzania is wonderfully, wonderfully calm, <laughs> uh, perhaps too much sometimes. And so even our work culture is like that. But here I was working in a high tech, high growth um, startup and so things are moving really quickly. So that was really a great experience. And then came the question of um, do I continue staying uh, here? Do I go back? I think for me, I had already... Limited, limited to those two questions, like either back home or France. I didn't consider uh, the UK or the US. 
I was just trying to think more long-term, where can I see myself uh, building long-term roots? I think it's really difficult also to move new uh, into a new country, establish yourself there. So I think it's good sometimes that we build on what we have as we explore, of course, uh, new opportunities. So my question was uh, France or Tanzania. And um, what, if, what brought me back, I think, was the opportunity in terms of the opportunity to so now I've learned so much and I've been so blessed with all that I've seen from, from studying uh, in France as well as working here now. Okay, now what can I do uh, back home with this? I think that's also where we can have such a big impact. And so I made the very tough decision uh, to leave, uh, to come back to Tanzania to uh, work on our social uh, enterprise as well as join uh, some family businesses. And I think I'm very thankful that that decision was made then because I came back just before in December and then the COVID-19 pandemic started in January, February. Um, and so that thing was a really a blessing in terms of timing. Oh, that's, that's true. All right. So what, what was the decision, you know, the thing when you say that's no, now I have to go now because most of the people, most of us actually, we say either we're doing something for Africa, we'll be a bridge between you know two countries, two continents. What was the decision maker where you're like, okay, I'll leave in December? I wish I had a clear cut decision. Okay. Um, but I really did not. What happened was, I, and first of all, let me say, I, I think there's such a big role for the bridge players. There are people who are able to link both markets mm -hmm. um, and it's a very rare opportunity because I mean there are very many let's say many many Burundians in Burundi who can impact locally very many Tanzanians in Tanzania who can impact locally um, as well as internationally but the us who've had the opportunity to go abroad uh, can are, are very uniquely positioned to be the link and, and kind of share learnings, share resources, etc. So we, do, we, we congratulate you guys from all the work you're doing also from uh, as diaspora out of the continent. Right. I, for me, I tried everything to rationalize this decision. I made a table of writing here, my cost benefits, my cost benefit analysis. I prayed a lot about it. I think there is no perfect timing. I think whatever decision you make, you uh, you are able if it's the if it's the right one to to find peace with it. So mm -hmm. one day I would wake up and be like, okay, I'm staying. And then I would be like, and to the next I'd be like, okay, I'm leaving. And then I'm like, mm, okay, I can make it work in this in uh, this way. So I don't think there's a perfect time. There's a perfect timing we need to to make such a decision. And and I think you can make it work either way. I think uh, even if you decide to stay, you can still contribute to the development of your uh, family, country, continent, et cetera. And if you come back, uh, you also can make it work with, of course, advantages and disadvantages of both. What was uh, your time when you arrived then, when you start your social? Because you have to explain what you do. Explain us what Ubuntu means, for example. For most of us, we know the word Ubuntu, which is pretty similar, obviously. What is Ubuntu as in the organization and what is your meaning of Ubuntu? It could be as a Tanzanian or as Collins. Sure. So yes, uh, what do I do? That's a, I should have introduced this earlier on what do we do? So no I was about change in, uh, through entrepreneurship. I am one of the co-founders of Ubuntu Hub, which is a social enterprise that aims to empower young entrepreneurs based in Arusha, Tanzania. And we do so by providing co-working space, practical skills, training, and a supportive community. And we emphasize the word community because this is what got us started. 
or and, and defines really how we, we, we work going forward. So Ubuntu, how we define it is this idea of collective progress. It's often said that it takes a village to raise a child and we think it, entrepreneurship is really difficult and it takes a whole ecosystem to raise an entrepreneur. So we, we, we settle this world, word as Ubuntu to mean collective progress that we, we want to work together uh, with the entrepreneurs themselves and help them build a community because we think they can learn much from each other, but then also connect them with mentors, corporates and other organizations that could help them raise, start or grow their businesses to tackle this issue of unemployment, which is a big issue um, across, across the world. Absolutely. And what is Ubuntu then? What is, because for me, it's quite difficult to explain it uh, to someone who doesn't speak Hurundi, for example, because it's like, it's part of our lexicon. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like explaining who is Alex. It's like complex, but at the same time, simple. Mm -hmm. What is Ubuntu for you then? I, I think it's a great question. And indeed, it is uh, sometimes difficult to articulate. Um, I articulate as follows. In South Africa, they, off, they also have uh, Ubuntu with a U, but we are Ubuntu with an O. Mm -hmm. uh, Ubuntu, this idea of I am because we are. The idea that you can only fully be yourself through your community. As Collins, I can only fully realize all that Collins is through my community because you will um, express different parts of yourself, mm -hmm. uh, different parts of maybe the family roles that you play, the contributions you can make to your community uh, and, and all that is your identity, maybe your skills and your talent, et cetera, uh, expressed really through uh, your community. So I am because you are is how I would summarize it. All right, so what is that happening? What's happening in Arusha so you can say? Yeah, let's do a co-working space. We see entrepreneurs. Uh, I don't know if you guys are shy or like a uh, community of like Brazilians or like entrepreneurs in their DNA. And you say, hey, come here. Burundians, I'm not going to speak about every Burundians, but it's, it's what we've come to see is that when you do something, you want to keep it to yourself, maybe because of you don't want to expose yourself to be like failure or if you succeed too much, culture says, you know, keep it low, basically which is a good thing, and it could be a problem at the same time because there is, uh, you know, if you're doing well, you could help others, but because you keep it to yourself, <laughs> the problem is that nobody will know that you're thriving and you cannot bring people along. What I liked about the, the community, uh, the, the, the sense of community is that you help each other. Like, the, let's just start with networking, for example. How do you guys do that and explain to the people, uh, I was going to say kids, but they're not only kids, but like the, the, the necessity of networking? Some great questions and also a cultural context, which is so important uh, when you're coming to uh, try to do really any programs, any, any organization to help people. So maybe let me start with your earlier questions of what is happening in Arusha that inspired this idea. So in Arusha, um, we have a very, uh, across Tanzania and much of the continent, we have a huge youth population and young population where the question is, how do you provide meaningful employment for all these people and everyone is talking about young people should be job creators and not job seekers but what we what we found uh, back in 2015 we started this idea with my co-founder caroline kandusi is this idea that there was perhaps missing supports to help these young entrepreneurs to be able to really develop sustainable businesses and so th this idea was born of a hub, a hub that could be their home that could provide co-working space because sometimes also a challenge to have your own office 
Uh, but so you can just come and rent a small space. And I can also provide the training and the community um, aspects. If we look at, um, uh, in particular, the question you asked around networking. So how kind of programs uh, support this? So it definitely does, I, we think, take time for people to understand what is a hub. Like people ask, were asking us at the beginning, what is a hub and why should I go there? What, what's it going to help me with? Um, so definitely there is some consumer education that, need, that we need to do, we needed to do. Um, and we still continue to do it for people to understand the, the, the support that is available for uh, young entrepreneurs. And we try to present that there is three capital that, that entrepreneur needs. They need first human capital, which is the skills that we do through our different training programs. They also need social capital, which is what you mentioned, this idea of networking. And for example, how we do this practically is once a month, we host an event called uh, Tubonge. Tubonge means let's talk in Kiswahili. So we try to make it youthful and we, we spotlight two young entrepreneurs. We try one male, one female who can get to the, on the stage, share their businesses, share a challenge they're facing and then together in Ubuntu spirit as the audience we collectively brainstorm for them solutions. So this is one way of networking amongst themselves and they have other networking events where they get to meet other people. And the best way we found for people to understand, wow, networking is important, is really through the success stories and the real case studies that come from it. Like, wow, I met my customer here. I met my potential uh, partner through uh, one of these kind of events. And so having, I think, localized examples of this is working in our local context helps people to, uh, to come along. That is really interesting. And when you say like the, the power of testimony, it, re, it reminded me of, you know, there's a Bible verse that says uh, you, you won because of the power of the testimony. Like there's a verse in Revelations, the, the fact that people say, but I don't know how to network. For Imagine like I'm a 15 year old person saying, I don't know how to network. And the little things from your siblings who know, who went to school with that person who now, I don't know, is in charge of MTN East Africa, or maybe it's just like a vendor at a local market. Is that the, the things that do not minimize, you know, the relationships that you have? Young entrepreneurs, they need a lot of things. As you said, you know, the human capital, but at the end of the day, we need to talk about cash because cash is king. I have an idea. Yes, yeah, so just say I have your working space. How do you help me? Hey, Collins, thank you for inviting me at Owenhu Hub. I have this business in agriculture, but I need, you know, I need 20,000 euros, for example. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't know what to do. It's a great question. And now you sound like one of our entrepreneurs because this is the most <laughs> question. <laughs> uh, definitely. So yes, indeed, definitely entrepreneurs need uh, human capital, social capital, and financial capital. Very important. And we try to play our, our small part uh, of this and also then leverage this community that we're building to able to provide more resources. First, what we do is, for example, in one of our training programs, one is called Yenge, which lasts over six weeks. This training program looks at basic entrepreneurship skills from ideation, using things like design thinking, lean startup methodologies, marketing, basics of financial, et cetera. And on the last session is a pitch competition. A pitch competition where we invite the participants to pitch in front of an independent panel of, judge, of judges who then help us to select the winners who are awarded uh, micro grants. Mm -hmm. And when I say micro, I really do mean micro grants uh, to help them get started or to increase what they're doing. So that's our direct contribution. Um, and then also we are leveraging the community. 
So for example, we get requests of from different investors that are looking for entrepreneurs in education, looking for entrepreneurs in agribusiness. And what we do is to directly connect them with members of Ubuntu Nation, which is what we call our community. So uh, we, we, and I think that's, that's a bigger role uh, that we can play is in terms of facilitating uh, the access between the different actors, because as, a, as one organization, we cannot do uh, everything ourselves. That's, that's um, how do you get those partners then? Do you go around and ask, um, I'm saying MTN because it's the largest telecom company I know in East Africa. Do you talk to Equity Bank or do you talk to bank? How do you start? this communication with corporates? It's a really good question. I think it's a mix of both uh, where we, we do approach uh, when, when, when we notice particular opportunities, maybe a particular entrepreneur, and we know that this, uh, this organization is looking for people in, uh, in agriculture, then we can directly be the ones to approach and recommend. Oh. But then also we do get uh, inbound requests from uh, particular investors, some of perhaps that are not on, in the country, so they don't have a local presence to be able to um, find and sort mm. through uh, the networks of entrepreneurs. Um, so we also do get people coming to us, coming to us as a hub. To say, okay, Ubuntu Hub, I'm looking for this one, two, three. Who do you have that could potentially could fit? And then we're happy to facilitate this. All right. Uh, let me take you back to the to an article that you wrote on uh, World Economic Forum, and I liked it because. I'm going to give you a bit of context. It was Wakanda, <laughs> how people are seeing uh, Africa as, they are, as, as Wakanda now. Uh, is that when I went to watch the movie, I had this awakening that I was like, I need to do, I need, either I need to go back now, like I leave the, the theater and then I book myself a ticket and I'm back home, which is not the widest uh, choice. It, it, it took me back to there is something that. Marvel Studio, I know it sounds silly, but Marvel Studio is launching this movie. They're seeing something. I am from there. Did you say Wakanda region? Because it was not Senegal. It was in East Africa. I'm just saying. I'm just selling the region. Uh, and it really awakened in me, like, not only the pride of being African and basically just like, oh, my goodness, they're just realizing what I've been telling them for 14 years, basically, since I've been living here. What was your, the reason why you wrote the, the Wakanda on World Economic Forum, actually, which is pretty funny. Can you tell us why you wrote about that and maybe the feedback that you got? Uh, indeed, and definitely I join you in celebrating the movie. I think it was, it was a cultural movement, not just a movie, yeah. but really a cultural movement that has inspired so much um, hope and enjoyment and celebration across the continent, but across the world as well. So I, I join you in applauding Marvel <laughs> and all the actors um, and everyone that was involved in that. Yeah. What inspired for this movie? So as a global shaper of the Arusha Global Shapers Hub, I was able to, and got the blessing to be able to contribute an article to the World Economic Forum agenda. Um, to try to tell different stories. Because what Wakanda did for, for many of us was to paint a different picture and replace the images we've had of a movie in Africa. They would expect to see huts and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it, it told a different story of what Africa potentially could be. And so with this article, I was inspired by this to, to paint, give some suggestions of what, what practical steps could be taken in terms of financing development from a new approach. Um, so the, the article 
suggests different ideas that we can, that African governments, private sector, um, um, and all together we can look at to finance Africa's development in a in a different way. Right? We think, I think, over the few the last few years, we've seen that we cannot leave financing development to African governments alone. Uh, I, I would advocate very much so for uh, a partnership approach where we include the private sector in uh, the financing development uh, objectives through different things that we've that are detailed in the article, such as bonds, such as the government providing government uh, guarantees, and then private sector could fund uh, entrepreneurs, SMEs, um, etc. So I think it was trying to think of different ways that yeah. we could uh, get to this Wakanda that we all. <laughs> I celebrate so much. That is so true. If we were to talk about, because you talk about the youth empowerment, but uh, as as a woman, I guess I, I, I'm I'm close to the to the. I'm not want to to enjoy quotas, you know, when they say you have to have this and this and that. But uh, we need to talk about your president, your woman president, and this this for me is one of those things you get to see. And like, man, obviously, obviously, it's possible. Obviously. In Burundi, we haven't had one, but we've had like vice presidents, we had uh, prime ministers. Is there a change in your country or is it just normal? You know what I mean? It's like, of course, she's just, uh, she's able, she's capable. <laughs> That's what it is. It is definitely another reason to celebrate uh, Tanzania's first, I think in the region's first female president mm. of Her Excellency President Samia Salu Hassan. And definitely we have seen change. So she came in earlier, she, was, she took office earlier this year, but all, the first thing I think directly it does is representation. Just as how Wakanda gave a different representation of, of African superheroes, uh, what this, uh, this uh, candidacy does is to give a representation that uh, now we have young girls who can look at the president and be like, wow, I can be, uh, there too, there is no ceiling that I cannot break through. There is no role that is too high for me to achieve. And definitely, we we can hear it uh, in the in the country talking to people uh, with now young girls saying, "Yeah, we rule the country now." <laughs> can you see? Get in line. <laughs> um, but so it, uh, in terms of representation, I think definitely that was that is an immediate effect. Then we also see uh, in terms of. Now her, not just her being a female president, but her in all the expertise and experience and vision that she has and strategies that she's been able to already implement. We do see uh, the impact of this already. She has taken a very consultative approach in terms of uh, consulting different stakeholders, whether this is in terms of business people, for the private sector, in terms of youth. Just last week, she held a big gathering of youth. She wanted to hear directly from young people, what are the challenges young people are facing and share uh, the, the initiatives that they're, they're, she, her excellency and her government is planning to implement. So definitely we see um, a representation uh, and the, the impact that she's having socially and, and challenging those social norms. But she did also say in, in one of her very first speeches that she is the president of the United Republic of Tanzania, which happens to be a woman. She is not the president because she's a woman. She is not, a, she is a, the president, which happens to be a woman. <laughs> that is amazing. And because, yeah, you, I mean, when you say she, she, she called on the youth, what do you see there? Like, you know, when usually youth is not, you know, they're not there. Can I put myself in the youth? I hope I can put myself in the youth category. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> We're not consulted. You know what I mean? It's like you have 
especially in again the cultural context is you know the the eldest knows best and patati patata when you get to see the advancement of economic advancement in the region rwanda uganda and burundi here in europe we'll say the generation tiktok which is funny but not funny at the same time because they're changing things you know it's not about only the 15 second or 20 seconds video but they're doing something economically there's something happening on the ground back home where can you you understand exactly maybe they should be more in tech maybe they should be more in fintech like how do you sense the wind shifting i guess it's a really good question. I think a question that many of our policymakers are trying to address. Where, how can we really um, provide the best of platform for, and that these young people can contribute actively? Because we, we have to take out this advantage that young people are people that are like beggars that need to be helped, et cetera. No, we're talking about empowerment so they can be able to empower themselves and really contribute hugely to the social economic development of our region and the world. I think personally, our generation is really a generation of actors. Um, if, I, if I contrast it to the previous generation, our generation is so internationally connected and we, we've been blessed with that. We, are, we, we have been opportunities um, to learn from other regions and how they've developed. And that's and ask the question from all this international exposure uh, learnings, how can we adapt this locally? And I think one way of acting locally is really through local value addition. Local value addition, meaning that there's so much opportunity for uh, all every country, I think, across the continent to be able to develop their local industries and local value addition. This could be in agriculture, which is the biggest sector ac across at the continent in terms of people that are employed and offers a huge opportunity there. But we need to, for example, uh, stop exporting just oranges and let us process them locally uh, in the country and sell and export orange juice. Um, as, just a, as a simple example of that in agribusiness. But uh, actors, um, the director of actors, I think also in terms of other sectors such as content, such as media. You talk about generation TikTok, but you can also imagine the, the, the digital uh, era and all that allows us for people to be able to, to act and create more local films, local music, um, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that is uh, of, of really great quality that celebrates our different uh, context, cultures, environments, and be able to generate sustainable livelihoods, for, not only for the creators, but then also for the country and the continent because of the, 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 the income it generates, but also the branding it, it's able to build, um, which has huge impacts in terms of positioning our countries to receive investments, et cetera, et cetera. So I think in, in every sector we can think of, more local production, local acts, uh, act, I think is a great, great opportunity that our generation can do. Absolutely. I mean, to talk about the, the media content, I guess that's where, that's the business I am, I am in now. It is true that one thing I realized, and it's, it sounds so silly, Collins, maybe you'll laugh afterwards, but you know Serengeti, the, the, the safaris and everything that I haven't done it yet, but I realized that most of the, the ads that I saw growing up and up until now, I guess, I guess, you always have white people. You don't get to see a Nigerian family taking a, a Kenyan Airways, going to Kenya, going to Tanzania, and you know, just enjoying Africa, basically. You always have these outsiders. For me, I realized like, Africa is growing. You have the have and the have nots, like in every continent. 
and we have to to understand that there are people who can you know africans that can take holidays as well <laughs> you know it doesn't have to be the uk or you know gloucestershire somewhere in the uk or connecticut it could be literally in mozambique somewhere and and for me i think that like being fed up of that image that i've been seeing years and years i'm like we should change that so FYI, if I film something in Serengeti, I'll let you know. It is caribou sana. You touched on a really important point of content. And I think sometimes we forget the importance of uh, content, which shapes our perceptions of what is possible, what is not possible, what's really going on there, which then makes this uh, affect uh, decisions of investment, of uh, consumption, etc. I don't know about the case of Burundi, but for example, in Tanzania, we, we are trying to re- cover from this bad perception that Tanzanian products are of poor quality. And this can only be done through, um, through people like yourself, all the people that are involved in content, that are involved in uh, producing a branding material, engage, et cetera, et cetera, to help us change this narrative. I think nobody's going to do it for us. It has to be us uh, on our own to, to change this narrative. And content has such a big role to play in that. So keep on doing the work you're doing. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And tell us what is your plan then for the next five years for Ubuntu and maybe for yourself? Looking ahead, uh, we've seen so much changes happening uh, across, across the world, of course, with this pandemic, uh, across uh, the continent also, as we're, we're now in this era of Africa rising that has met the reality of uh, global pandemics, etc. I'm, I'm very, very, very optimistic. And um, my, my, if I was to summarize, my next five years would be uh, growth. And we're looking to grow as a Ubuntu hub to grow in terms of impact. The number of entrepreneurs we're able to help uh, and and to help them grow their businesses to provide more employment for more people uh, and better livelihoods. We're looking to to grow in terms of community. So the people that we, the potential partners that we are able to uh, work with, to join together to help entrepreneurs as much as we can, and also to grow in sustainability um, so that we are able to uh, be able to generate revenue that can sustain uh, the operations uh, of the hub as we are scaling. That would be uh, what we're uh, looking to uh, grow into uh, over the next five years. All right. Uh, do you plan to stay in Arusha or go in different cities in Tanzania or are you thinking like the region? If you'd asked me this question before the pandemic, I would have said we're looking to really solidify our base in Arusha and then grow there after. Mm. But what the pandemic invited us to do was to really adopt digital in a very fast way. Uh, and so, for example, last year, we adopted much of our training online. We were training through Zoom. We were using WhatsApp groups, using Instagram, everything that we could really. Um, and that allowed us already to have participants from Zanzibar, from the uh-huh. south of Tanzania, from the west of Tanzania, close to Burundi. Mm. Uh, people from Kigoma were participating. So that already, uh, I think the digital world mm. offers opportunity for scaling. And we are definitely building our capacity to able to take advantage of this digital opportunity to reach more people across Tanzania and beyond. And is it in Swahili and English or do you have like different classes? Different? <laughs> Swaglish is where we mix. That's a good one. <laughs> so for example, some of the training content could be in English in terms of the slides, but we're speaking uh-huh. in Swahili. 
between mix and match. All right. So yeah. So what is what is to um to wish for you? Like I know it's you know mid mid um mid July mid June. Sorry. How can we wish for you before 2021 ends? Because it goes so quickly. Let's just be honest. So what do you want to see achieve uh, by next year? One wish that we would have for this year is we've started a new project, which is called DigiTrade, which aims to democratize, we're talking about digital, right? To help democratize digital technology to all young entrepreneurs from all sectors. We want to change this idea that digital is only for a graduate or tech savvy uh, people. We want farmers to be using digital. We want people that have uh, small restaurants, uh, hair salons, et cetera, et cetera, to be using digital to help them build resilience and grow their businesses. So one wish would be uh, to scale this program uh, to reach another region that we're looking to uh, grow into for this program, to really give uh, young entrepreneurs from all sectors the opportunity to use digital to grow and build resilience for their businesses going forward. All right. So like your last word, I guess, what do you want to tell the, the listeners, Tanzanians, I guess, who will be listening to, to you, future clients, future partners? Thank you. Thank you for listening uh, today. Sure. I know that our doors are open. Our philosophy is collective progress defined by our name. And as we've discussed today, there's so much to do to empower this young generation that is committed to taking Africa forward. We invite you to join and be part of this adventure. Come on. This is really, this is really nice. It's been fun and I, I'm, lo- I'm loving it. So I'm, I'm getting to discover Africa through, through digital and, and the tech scene and, you know, East Africa for now, it's like Kenya when you talk about the tech scene, but I hope that more and more Google developers, there are some Google developers in Burundi and I'm so proud of that. You know, just little things like that. And you just, you know, you learn that and you're like, yes. So for what you do with Ubuntu Hub, it's like having more hubs in the region and then realizing that East Africa is better than West. I'm just saying. <laughs> but <laughs> other than that, I would like to to thank you for your work, for, for the vision you have and to believe in that. You know, it's, it's funny to say like, I had an idea back when I was in Paris and, you know, life was going well. And to, to take that leap of faith and with all the stress and uh, the rewards that come along. So wishing you all the best for, for eternity, let's just say that. So it will be like a, a hundred year company plus, you know, or times something. Amen, we receive. Amen to that. And, um, and for the listeners who don't know much about, you know, the tech scene, there is African Tech Roundup that I'm part of since last May. And I'm happy to say that we're learning about a lot of things about what East Africa. And, you know, we know about Mpesa, and we want to say that Mpesa is one good thing, but there is a lot of good things happening. So if you have names of people working, when it's in a tech scene, it could be telecoms, it could be banks, it could be, as you said, agribusiness. So don't hesitate to share the the, the names if you want to include them. And uh, wishing you a pretty awesome day. And uh, with lots of sun, as you said, it's, it's a bit sunny out over there. And uh, wishing you the best and thanks for the listeners. Cheers, Collins. Thank you very much. Bonjour, Kwaheri. 